0: A Pan Am Strata cruiser is doing a regularly scheduled flight to Honolulu when a strong vibration is felt. What caused this flight to have to ditch in the ocean?
1: Welcome back to the Heartlandings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick.
2: I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. It's been not that long.
0: No, oh. like a like an hour and a half. Yeah, the ravioli was good.
1: The ravioli was delicious. Thank
0: you, Costco. Yeah, not sponsored. No, nope. not sponsored. Nope. I wish we could get sponsored by Costco.
1: Right? That would
0: be hilarious.
1: Doesn't make a lot of sense for us though.
2: No, the, not really... they do travel insurance, don't they?
1: Yeah, for people who live where Costco's are, are, which isn't like most of the world.
2: Oh, so we got our Spotify wrapped. Turns out only 55% of our listeners this year live in the U.S. Yep. Yep. So that's cool. That is cool.
1: I mean, cool for those in the U.S., but it's cool that we have a very large portion of listeners not in the U.S. That was more of my point. Yes.
0: Oh, we got to do our thingy soon. Yes. Oh, when is, is it that it this thingy? one? I think it might be this one.
1: Is it this one? That seems a little soon. Maybe, though.
2: Mm-hmm. Next one. Next, Next one. one. I was going to say, I
1: think it's one more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This one comes out on the 19th. Okay. Wonderful. We could probably do
0: answers to the trivia questions on this one, though. since we're doing the the spiel on the next one. Yeah, we could. Okay.
1: Do you have the trivia questions?
0: Yes, <laughs> the the newsletter's made. I just okay. forgot to send it okay. out. Okay, got it, got it, got it. I think I did put it on the website. I just forgot to send it out on Friday.
1: Okay. That's I was fine.
0: going to, and then my brain
1: it stopped. Brain died.
0: Well, I got home late because I went to the concert, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I forgot.
1: (laughs) Uh, Believe me. Shocker. I get it. Anywho, uh, yeah, not much has happened since we recorded the last episode, since that was literally like an hour and a half ago. Yep. So, wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for doing all the things you do. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for sharing.
1: Yep. This one, much like last week's episode, will be a little short because this report was also short. Yes. I think I have more bullet points in this one than the last one, but I don't think... But the report is so short on the back end.
2: My notes are longer on this one, for sure.
1: Is it? Your 20-minute notes? Yeah. I'm surprised.
2: It was just an easier topic to cover because of the way they wrote it.
1: I, think, I don't remember which one was which. Which one had more findings? Hold on. Yeah, this one had more findings, but they were short. They were shorter. These ones, like, they're super succinct, so which you can find out why later. But anyways.
0: All right. So considering we don't really have much else to do, what are we covering today, Nick?
1: Today we are covering Pan Am flight 845 slash 26. Yeah.
2: Uh, that's correct.
1: That's exactly what it is. If you look it up, if you Google that, 845 slash six, you will come up with this flight. Like, that—that that is the flight number. Thank you to Kevin for recommending this. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. I'm sure there's an explanation for the 26. I didn't really look that deeply into it. There's not a lot of information around the internet or even in the report about this flight. Again, it's an 11-page report. It is quite short. So, I don't know if that has to do with the tail number or what, because not really the tail number, but the type of aircraft, I guess, because the type of aircraft is a Boeing 377 Stratocruiser, but it's a... 1026 model. I don't know. That is the only reference I could find anywhere to the 26. That is completely irrelevant. It's a Boeing 377. This accident occurred on March 26th of 1955. The Boeing 377 was quite the interesting, actually, aircraft.
0: Didn't they use it in the war?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. The... Airplane restaurant in Colorado Springs is a Boeing 377. I,
0: yeah, I thought so. I was like, isn't the one that mm-hmm. is in the Springs? Which, by the way, don't get the food there. It's pretty good. It's cool, not very good. But the food's not good. It's a
1: hotel restaurant It's not good. The That one, though, was a military use, so it doesn't have the 377 designator. It's called a C-something, and I don't remember what.
2: Hold but, on.
1: But regardless, it is a Boeing 377. That's what it is at its core. Which is an interesting airplane. It really is an interesting airplane. It had a very checkered history, unfortunately, but of the airplane from the airplanes from the period, it was one of the very, like most unique looking aircraft.:
2: It was developed from the Boeing C97 Strato freighter.: Yeah, there you go. And the Boeing 377 has a couple of variants, some of yep. which we've seen in person. Yes. I, I say we, I mean Nick and I. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the pregnant guppy, the super guppy, and the mini yep. guppy. We've seen the super guppy. Yes. I was actually, we were talking about it at Crafting yesterday. Were you? Yeah. Oh. Heather was like, hey, have you ever heard of the guppies? Yes. I'm like, the fish or the plane?
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: She meant the plane. I'm like, there's one in Tillamook. We've been in it.
1: Yep. There's quite a few of them around still. There's one flying.
2: Yes. I've seen it on flight radar.
1: Yes. It's NASA owned.
2: Of course it is. I would love to see a list sometime of NASA's fleet.
1: Oh my God. It's so strange. It is the weirdest aircraft. They in
2: use so many different aircrafts.
1: They have so many strange aircraft in there.
2: Why would they have range. a strato
1: cruiser? Yeah, to move large things. That's not just do.
2: a strato cruiser, a fat
1: strato cruiser. Yes, a very very fat strato cruiser. The fact that that airplane even flies is just a freaking freaking nature. It it's like a bumblebee. It shouldn't fly, but it does anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Little diamond pumps into stuff. Yeah, by physics, it really shouldn't fly, but it does anyways. So
2: That is a weird list, and it it feels incomplete.
1: It probably is. They used to have a lot more, too. I mean, back when we were trying to learn everything we wanted to know about aeronautics, and we still do do that. Anyways, it's amazing how we went down this really strange rabbit hole, but uh, one of the weirdest things that NASA has just bought to do weird things with is an MD-80. Go look up why they bought this MD-80. It's not on their list. Google NASA MD-80. Once you see the pictures, you'll understand the concept. They have it. They have the airplane. They're already starting to modify it.
2: I don't understand. Oh, the wing thing? Yep. Oh!
1: That's the one! Ah. They just bought the MD-80. They just brought it to a facility, and they've just started to modify it. For an efficient wing concept, they are trying to make a more efficient wing. Eh. Mm -hmm. I
2: don't know. I feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
1: Yeah, kind of. Anyway.
2: Well, it's only NASA. Only the people
1: who know exactly what they're doing, so. Back to the strangeness that is the Boeing 377. We've talked about them before, but it is actually a double-deck airplane. What? Yep. It is a double-deck airplane. On the lower deck is primarily just a lounge, bar, game room kitchen yeah we've talked about this
0: before i remember yes. i vaguely remember
1: the cockpit has like 40 windows it's just it does it has
2: so many windows. it's just this
1: weird like big bulbous cockpit that I want,
2: has i want the exact windows. number
1: a lot and it has a landing light right in the middle of them too that points straight out ew from the window it
2: only has 19
1: OK, well, only
2: 19, only
1: 19. Like, that's not an absurd amount of windows. A-220s and 787s have four. <laughs> it holds the record. Yes, I would think so. Actually, I'm surprised that there's a couple of Russian aircraft that don't beat that. Like the Tu-134, the original Tu-134.
2: Oh, hold on. This is on a forum. That's not easy to navigate.
1: OK, well, anyways. Very strange aircraft. It's This is the 1950s, mind you. This was one of the largest aircraft flying in terms of propeller-driven aircraft, piston-propeller-driven aircraft, as far as airliners go. And this thing was really intended to be like an international super aircraft, even though by comparison to today's aircraft. Uh,
2: that's cute.
1: Yeah, they're real tiny. But they were super luxurious. Super luxurious. Like the whole thing was basically what we would consider like today a business class configuration. And they've literally got like the lounge you can go hang on in. But they were loud. They were what not quiet aircraft.
0: What kind of airplane was the one we covered with Chris? Was that a Strato Cruiser? It was a Strato Cruiser. I thought so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: That was before the war. The yes. war!
1: The war! That was right
0: Right.
2: Actually,
1: <laughs> during, during, during the, the war. Wait, we
2: entered the it war. It
1: was during the war. It was <laughs> the beginning of the U.S.'s involvement in the war. Yes.
2: If you don't know what we're talking about, we released a bonus episode about the time that um, Pan Am accidentally had to circumnavigate the globe. Um, yes. In a 377 yep. during World War II. Yep. Accidentally. With low fuel and... A bad time. Yuck. Yes. Not great. If you want to listen to that, you should go listen to that.
1: Again, the 377, a very unique... Aircraft, Not actually a very pretty aircraft. I think they're kind of ugly. But...
2: Our definitions of ugly are different.
1: I think so. But I think they're kind of ugly. But they were a very luxurious aircraft. They were very large for the time. They were mighty aircraft. They had very gigantic piston engines. Huge. Truly massive. Eventually, they were retrofit with turbine engines to become the guppy. But... The guppies. That, yes, the guppies. And beyond. There were still a handful of military-use C-97s that were... Those aren't still in use, right? No, God, no. No, no, no. But there was a handful of them that were for a while, and they made them turbine-driven and whatnot. Anyways, none of that matters. This one had the tail number November 1032 Victor, which is actually one of the earlier instances of having just a normal N number Did that I have seen. Did
2: they name this aircraft, Do you know? I yes. don't.
1: Was there a name? I Clipper
2: didn't... United States. Okay. Oh, that's hilarious. it's Pan
1: Am. So I was like, it has a name, but I didn't see it. Yeah, Clipper United States. Okay, there you go. This was a flight. <laughs> Thank yes. You. From, I'm not done with the sentence. <laughs> oh, but you bastard. Yes, this was a flight, a long one, as they do with aircraft like this that don't actually fly very quickly. Big quad engine piston engine aircraft. They liked to go really long distances with them, which they were very capable of doing, but it took a long time to do so, compared to the jet age. This is a flight from Seattle to Portland, nice and short, to Honolulu, which took the better part of over 11 hours, to Sydney, Australia,
2: (gasps) Oh boy! which
1: I can only imagine is most of a day.
2: Wasn't that the flight that the other thing was doing? Yes. Oh.
1: But not from Seattle and Portland. They did that from San Francisco. Gotcha. There are several other instances mm. of things not going well on the la- the legs to Honolulu with three seven sevens.
2: Anyway. anyway,
1: not to preface other things, the so the crew. Okay, try my best here. Right,
2: dude, I don't know what was happening.
1: <laughs> there are five crew members.
2: Yep, the math ain't mathin'.
1: There are five. We'll talk about it
2: in the cockpit. We'll talk in- about
1: it. <laughs> I'll talk about it. The captain was H.S. Joslin. That is the only... There was no actual first name given, which they did in some sections for some crew, and some of them had the full name. Anyways, H.S. Joslin, 49 years old, 17,872 hours total, of which 1,588 were on the 377, the Stratocruiser. Okay. Good amount of hours total. decent amount of experience on the airplane. They were newer. The Stratocruiser was newer-ish, not really, but...
0: I mean, they used them before the war, so they were at least 10 years old, 15 years old.
1: Well, they didn't... The, the Stratocruiser came about during the end of World War II. They were primarily used after World War II. There was a lot of, yes, cargo movement with them. They became airliners. They were marketed really was... well as airliners. What?
2: I don't think the around-the-world flight was a Stratocruiser.
1: What was it, then?
2: A Boeing 314 flying boat?
1: It might have been a boat, yeah. It might have been a 314
2: boat. Yeah, no, we talked about it being a boat.
1: Yeah, 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 it was a boat. But there are several <laughs> Sorry, other instances.
0: Sorry, we biffed it.
1: Okay, anyways, there are still quite few other instances. Sorry, with,
0: Chris, we were paying attention. We
1: have talked about, actually, other 377 instances with Honolulu and Pan Am, specifically. United also operated these so, on very long routes.
2: I currently have the list of... Um, Accidents? For the 377. It's not pretty. United, Pan Am, Pan Am, BOAC, Pan Am, Northwest Orient Airlines, Pan Am, Pan Am, Pan Am, Pan Am, Pan Am. Yeah. Aero Space Lines. They, what? Aero Space Lines.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. Small airlines, who knows. Anyways, it existed. It's it was popular actually. Oh, they're the ones that have the guppies. Quite a popular airplane over years, but it it of course, was quickly phased from service once the jet age came about, because we could add more people and fly faster. So, of course, it made more sense to do so. So, these airplanes actually weren't around in commercial service for very long compared to the modern day. However, they were still used for other purposes like the guppies. Anyways, moving on. The first officer was Angus Gustavus Kendrick, who was 34 years old, had 10,125 hours total, of which 1,293. were in the... 377 Stratocruiser. The flight engineer was Donald Reed Feller, who was 41 years old and had 4,530 hours on the Stratocruiser, which was the most of any crew member on the airplane uh, in terms of type hours. There was an assistant flight engineer, whatever that means, who was Stuart Buckman.
2: I think he was sitting in the jump seat.
1: I think so was 29 years old and had 300 hours on the Stratocruiser. I don't know what the total hours are for either flight engineer. They didn't stay. And in the crew section, they didn't even mention the Navigator, who they did mention in the story existed. The Navigator was M.F. Kerwick. That's all I know about the Navigator. That is it, and that is all we will ever say about the Navigator. Okay. No hours, no actual first name given. No okay. age, nothing. That's it. Anyways, the flight departed Seattle at 8.15 a.m. local time with 13 passengers and eight crew. Almost as many crew as passengers. <laughs> 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 Speaks to the age, right? They, they, we used to crew airplanes with a lot of people. Uh, yeah. And not a lot of passengers because we could do that. The flight to Portland was normal, arriving at 9.10 a.m. local time. Reasonably short. Two additional passengers boarded the flight at Portland to go to Honolulu for a whopping 15 passengers.
0: Okay. Yay. Yay.
1: These are the big, glorious, giant airplanes we're talking about of the era. And the aircraft was also serviced normally at Portland. The flight departed the ramp at Portland at 10.10 10 a.m. local time, so one hour after it arrived. 10.21 a.m. local, the flight took off from Portland for Honolulu on an IFR flight plan, Instrument Flight Rules flight plan. The flight plan had the flight proceeding to Honolulu via Newburg and Newport, Oregon, then to cruise to Honolulu direct at 10,000 feet. Because piston airplanes, low flying.
2: Yeah, not pressurized.
1: Actually, I don't know if these were pressurized or not, but if they were, it was not very high. I have to imagine that the Stratocruiser actually was pressurized, just again, it low, was pressurized. low altitude pressurized. The only reason, actually, so there's two reasons. It
2: had a service ceiling of 32,000 feet.
1: Yeah, they flew it at 10. (laughs) The whole reason they pressurized them, I mean, of course, for two things. One, for comfort, of course, which is why they normally do. And actually, for soundproofing.
0: Because it was loud. They're freaking loud. loud.
1: (laughs) Especially when you talk about piston, these gigantic piston airplanes. I mean, truly gigantic. We're talking like 26 pistons per engine. Freaking loud. Giant piss I mean, pistons the size of your head. Like, giant. The flight from Portland to Honolulu was planned at 11 hours and 3 minutes. Ugh. It's solidly long. That flight takes about five, 5, and a half hours now. For comparison.
2: We have the technology.
1: We have the technology. We have literally more than cut that in half. The flight reported over Newburgh, Oregon at 10.31 a.m. local time. About 10 minutes after takeoff. At 7,000 feet and climbing for 10. 10.39 a.m., the flight reached 10,000 feet. It's cruising altitude. 10.48 a.m., the flight reported over Newport, Oregon, cruising at 10,000 feet. The flight then took a heading of 221 degrees, heading toward Honolulu. 42 minutes after takeoff. Things happen fast now. The aircraft suddenly began suffering from severe vibrations. While in cruise flight, under... VFR conditions. It was perfectly clear, nice day. Suddenly
2: Wouldn't that be VMC? Not VFR.
1: They wrote VFR. Okay. So. But yes, VMC. Suddenly began shaking relatively violently, actually. This lasted five to eight seconds. At the end of those five to eight seconds.
2: We get to call Nick a liar.
1: Yes, I get to wear egg on my face. However, I still stand by what I say. You're such a liar. The number three engine and propeller separated from the aircraft. From the right wing. Engines don't just fall off of planes. And fell into the ocean. I'm mostly talking about modern aircraft. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) But it has happened. Sure, just not that often. It really hasn't. (laughs) We've covered it a lot. Because that's what we do. (laughs) We cover the things that aren't supposed to happen. Happening. (laughs) I stand by the fact that this still is like, a one in a literally 10 quadrillion chance of happening now ever in history of airplanes it doesn't happen literally like- it does happen nick we literally just said the third engine fell off yes wonderful when was the last time that happened <laughs> a long freaking time ago <laughs> That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It doesn't. It just has, <laughs> hasn't happened in a really, really, really long time. Here's here's why I say that. It will not happen to anybody in a passenger aircraft. It won't. They're not designed to.
0: Just because they're not designed to doesn't mean they don't. They
2: won't. <laughs> I'm just gonna bring it up every time we talk about it. I know. I'm welcome
1: to get the, the sh- for this one because it's you're a f-
2: liar. I am not.
1: <laughs> The engine won't fall off of your wing while you're in flight. It won't. It won't. Don't be afraid of these things. It's, But it's not going to happen to you. But it's not going to happen to you. No, it didn't happen to you.
0: <laughs> not to me.
1: Yes, to these poor unfortunate souls, it happened.
2: You can't just say that. And-
1: the engine fell into the ocean.
2: No, that's not what and I and know, the engine
1: fell into the ocean with Ursula. Thank you. This In was a wonderful...
2: Well, actually, all of them survived. No. Th- they survived? It.
1: Anyways. <laughs> the captain immediately disconnected the autopilot and began flying the aircraft manually. The aircraft then experienced severe buffeting. Due to the imbalance of power and as well as the damage to the aircraft. Yeah,
0: like there's one (laughs) wing that has one engine and the other one has two.
1: Yes, and literally one whole engine missing is an insane amount of weight all of a sudden missing from this airplane. That is a massive imbalance. And also that ripping away from the airplane did a lot of damage because they are built into the wing. They don't hang from the wing on the 377. They're built into the wing. So for it to fall away means it is also ripping the wing apart.
2: That sounds uncomfortable.
1: It is. The aircraft swung heavily to the right, and the nose began pointing downward. The flight crew made a mayday call. That was a weird thing to say. At this time, and planned for a direct return to Portland. They were 42 minutes away by this point, mind you. Which was granted by the Seattle Air Route Traffic Control Center. The captain fought for control of the aircraft and had to fight hard. The airspeed remained at and above 220 knots initially during all of this, so he reduced the throttles to reduce the airspeed. The nose continued to fall, however. The aircraft rapidly descended down to 5,000 feet, literally cutting their altitude in half, which is not good. The captain then directed the first officer to assist with the controls because, mind you, this is a cable driven aircraft that is entirely manually driven. Yeah. So they're pulling hard now on the controls and having help from the first officer. Actually, ma- the combined effort managed to arrest the descent of the aircraft, mostly, but then the aircraft began climbing rapidly and steeply instead for a moment. The aircraft turned sharply to the right, making about a 180-degree turn. The aircraft to be on, quote, the verge of a spin, end quote. The yoke was then pushed forward, and level. the level attitude of the aircraft was finally achieved. Good lord. And after some time, the turning was also stopped, with the help of some trimming of the rudder and of the ailerons. The airspeed at this point was around 150 knots, and flaps were extended to 25 degrees. This immediately actually stopped the buffeting. The throttles dialed back, the flaps in, and now we've got relative control of the airplane, right? Except that they were still descending, actually. Relatively rapidly. The attempt to stabilize the airplane and prevent the descent were futile. All of those attempts that they were making. The flight crew made a radio call at 11.06 a.m. stating that a ditching was now imminent. Because a ditching was now imminent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We are going to hit the ocean. We don't
1: have a choice. We're going in the water. At that time, the aircraft was at 500 to 1,000 feet. There's no altitude left. We are going in. The cabin attendants, having realized what is happening, of course, because how did you miss that? realized that there might be a ditching happening. So
2: they prepared the cabin.
1: They prepared the cabin for a ditching. All passengers were seated on the upper deck of the aircraft with seatbelts and live jackets donned, so they were prepared, all 15 of them. The aircraft eventually set down in the water in quote-unquote ideal sea conditions with very little swell, so the sea was calm that day. Which is
0: fortunate, because that would have been sucky.
1: However, the the aircraft did have a pretty severe impact with the water.
2: But everyone survived impact.
1: Yes, they did. However, the life rafts dislodged from the aircraft, which was wonderful. The storage bins and the rear end of the fuselage also broke off. Oh, nice. And the seats also dislodged. Some of them. Well. Were broken loose. That's not great. The the good
2: news is not a lot of those were occupied.
1: No. But the aft end of the fuselage, you know, breaking apart on impact, also caused a large hole in the fuselage for water to Come in? rapidly <laughs> yeah. try to enter the fuselage.
2: Well, I'm surprised it stayed afloat as long as it did.
1: I know. Well, they opened the doors to begin an evacuation. The evacuation was orderly, as a matter of fact, and the three rafts were launched without delay, even though they had fallen from their storage bins. They managed to collect them and open them and use them. However. However. The lanyards of the life rafts were temporarily held to the aircraft door by a crew member, like they were all just being held by a crew member holding all the rafts in place. One of the rafts began drifting dangerously close to some sharp metal from the wreckage, and the lanyard of that one was eventually let go to preserve the life raft and allow it to, you know, not get punctured. Another was released by the crew member, and the crew member then swam to the raft and climbed in, this was particularly made difficult to all who were trying to climb into the rafts because there was oil in the water. Oh, a lot of it because it turned out they put it—they pretty much put as much oil as they do fuel into these old airplanes. Not really, but they do put like gallons and gallons of oil into the these things. The pistons
2: require a lot of oil.
1: So much oil, and they burn it so fast. They were so inefficient.
2: So imagine trying to get into a lifeboat that's covered in oil.
1: Right, you're slipping and sliding, trying to get into the raft, and, and you're
2: also wet.
1: Right. That also doesn't help. Eventually, the third raft was released, and actually nobody really knows why, but it was. Not that that's a bad thing, because you don't want to be attached to the wreckage, which is now going into the water, sinking rapidly. So all three of these rafts were now afloat and being carried by the currents. Three persons never made it out of the aircraft, including the first officer and the first flight engineer, the original. Yep.
2: My, My notes just say they couldn't make it to the life rafts.
1: It may be that, but it's, it made it sound like they sunk with the airplane.
2: My notes make it sound like they drowned on their way to, because it was a 100-foot swim.
1: Well, one of the crew members actually dragged an, in, an injured, the only severely injured passenger, in tow with them 200 feet from the aircraft to the raft, and they both managed to climb into a raft. In shock, of course, but they did so. So the 200-foot swim doesn't seem to be much of the reason, unless there was something else wrong.
2: Unless you don't know how to swim.
1: Right, unless something else was wrong. And
2: the crew probably doesn't have their life vests on.
1: They made it sound like three of them didn't get out. One passenger and two crew just didn't get out of the airplane. That's what it sounded like to me, but maybe that's not the case. I'm not entirely sure. 11-page report, you know, specifics weren't there. They just weren't. Those that were on the rafts did try to paddle. The rafts back toward the wreckage in an attempt to save those that had not made it out yet, but they weren't able to. One more passenger who was in a raft later perished from exposure and shock.
0: Yeah, I mean. The I water mean, was cold. They yeah. may have been
2: old. I didn't mean shock. To blame.
1: It was the middle of the day, but it was March. And probably cold. <laughs> it was a nice day, but probably cold.
2: I mean, you talk about the
0: Pacific, the Pacific's cold water.
2: Yeah. Especially during that time of year. And we know we don't know the health of that individual, so.
0: Right. Well, and shock, right? Like, yeah, 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 we're just in an accident. like
1: Right. So in total, four perished in the accident. The purser was the crew member that managed to swim, towing only the one severely injured passenger to a raft 200 feet away. And they both climbed in. The ditching took place around 11, 12 a.m. local time about 35 miles off the coast of Oregon. They actually weren't that far. Like, they might have even almost been able to see the shore on a clear day. The USS Bayfield was en route to Seattle, but changed course toward the ditching site and located the raft by aid of a search aircraft, by the way, which had found the wreckage. About two hours after the ditching. So they actually weren't out there that long. They were only out there for about two hours. Before they were rescued. And that's it. Okay.
0: So you're going to tell us why the hell the uh, engine f- completely fell off the aircraft? Yes and no.
1: I this mean, is nineteen fifty. To
0: be fair, <laughs> yeah, I realize this is an old report and it's a very short report. And so yeah. they might not have a lot of answers as to why it happened. But
1: You think the report is short? The Wikipedia page is super short.
2: Uh-huh. Also, they didn't retrieve the wreckage. No. Any of it.
1: No. Nope. They let it sink. They only went with eyewitness accounts. So, which is everybody on the airplane that survived?
2: This investigation was performed by the Civil Aeronautics Board. The CAB. C A B. Yes. This investigation analysis was broken into six parts, of which I will cover five, and Nick will cover the last part in the second half. I hope.
1: The 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 yeah the yeah corrective yeah yeah
2: cool. The first question was of the initial failure. What the hell happened, to engine number three?
1: Yeah, it's a good question.
2: How did it um fall off? Investigators presented and analyzed three different scenarios. One, failure of the engine mount. Witness testimony indicated that the engine took its mount with it, so the mount didn't fail. Check. Two, sudden stoppage or seizure of the engine. There were have been no cases of engines just tearing free of aircraft because the engine stopped, so, uh...
1: They shouldn't. They really shouldn't. That would so, be something that should definitely be flight tested.
2: Yeah, not, that didn't happen either. So that leaves, uh... Scenario number three. Unbalanced propeller caused by failure of a blade. That sounds rather specific, don't it? Well, there have been six previous instances of power plant separation on the same type of aircraft, five total separations, and one partial. Of these, two were definitely caused by propeller blade failure, and the remaining four didn't have the missing engine recovered, but were undoubtedly from the same cause. So, not a hard leap. No. What was the manufacturer doing about this, you may ask? Hamilton Standard. A standard name in propeller manufacturer.
1: Yeah, you're funny.
2: I'm hilarious.
1: We've also talked to them about them a lot because at the time they were, you know, the brand. The thing. Yes. Of propeller. You will still find them. Sure, absolutely. There's a
2: giant sticker on the propeller that says Hamilton Standard.
1: Yes. However, the most common these days is Hartzell. In propeller aviation.
2: I mean, yeah, but if you're like waltzing into a museum where you can get up close and personal.
1: Absolutely. If you're looking at museum pieces, Hamilton Standard, 100%.
2: Because that's as close as many people will get to aircraft. Sure. Not everyone.
1: Like those kinds of aircraft. but Yes.
2: Anyway, Hamilton Standard, a standard name in propeller manufacturer, had modified these to be nickel plated to minimize service incurred nicks and gouges and all planes in the Pan Am fleet were fitted with these latest modifications and were maintained in accordance with Hamilton's latest service instructions. But investigators wanted to make abundantly sure.
1: You know. Rightfully so.
2: They inspected the entire Pan Am fleet, including areas on the propellers that weren't normally required to be inspected, like under the rubber fairing. These areas were not readily accessible during inspection and had not, to date, been suspect of failure. This comprehensive analysis found nicks and gouges beneath the garter caused by manufacturing after the plating. Until the date of the accident, no cracks had been reported on the nickel-plated blades, but this
1: investigation
2: found three Mm -hmm. associated with corrosion, and one blade failed from corrosion while undergoing fatigue testing at the factory. Lovely. An x-ray analysis found that one brand new blade in the Pan Am fleet was cracked beneath a rubber boot during manufacture and had not been detected.
1: Even better.
2: Overall, investigators found corrosion on 13.5% of the Pan Am Pacific Alaska Division blades. That's a lot. Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: That's a lot. That's a big chunk. Well, and it kind of makes sense because they're around salt water all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, salt corrodes. Yep. Yes. And when you're not taking care of those airplanes, Correct. I also
2: thought it was interesting that they said nickel-plated. I imagine that had to be some kind of nickel alloy. Mm-hmm. Because nickel is pretty corrosive. Yes. Especially when exposed to, like, I don't know, salt water. Yep. But maybe that's just me. Or maybe it was nickel and it was corrosive. I don't know. Yeah. It was the 50s. I know, but also I looked it up and they still plate some propeller at ed- leading edges in nickel, so.
1: I have to imagine, yeah, it's an alloy. Yeah. That allows that to be possible.
2: They found two further cracks when all such blades were examined throughout the United States one was on a military aircraft and one was on another air carrier. They concluded that this basic blade is prone to crack at surface irregularities and require meticulous inspection both during manufacture and during service. So that's section one. Section two of analysis was regarding the difficulty to control the aircraft after the loss of the number three engine. This was actually pretty easy to uh, analyze. Yeah. This may have been caused by the large flat plate area of the number three firewall.
1: Very much so
2: as well as some deformation of the airframe due to the abrupt removal of the number three power the package.
1: rapid deconstruction. <laughs> the
2: yeeting of the engine.
1: Rapid, unanticipated deconstruction of engine number three.
2: And they don't say number three engine at this point. They say the power package, which I'm like... The power package. Next was the analysis of the inability to increase RPM of the other three engines. Part of why they kept descending. Yes. Because they were like, oh, no, the other three engines, We why can't we do anything with them? They're just staying at the same speed. What, what are we supposed to do with that? Right. This proved harder to analyze, given that the flight engineer did not survive. Right. So, not a lot to work with, but they had the analysis done using the testimony of the assistant flight engineer and the captain. There was no evidence of mechanical or electrical impairment to the remaining propellers, investigators determined that including the number three toggle switch while actuating all the rest was why they couldn't increase the RPM of the remaining Mm -hmm. engines. So they were trying to do something with an engine that wasn't there. Right. Whether or not they knew that, I don't know. I don't know. So immediately after the accident, a service bulletin was issued such that the magnetic circuit breakers associated with this were reduced from a 10-amp breaker to a 5-amp thermal breaker on the master circuits, and the individual circuits were reduced from 5 amps to 2 amps. This allowed for a malfunctioning circuit, like, say, if an engine falls off, to affect only the circuits associated with that engine to blow and leave the remaining ones okay. Mm -hmm. So even if you did, say, toggle that switch for the number 3 engine, it wouldn't do anything and then wouldn't prevent you from controlling the remaining engines. Right, right. So that was a big thing that came from that, and that has impacted aircraft design to date.
1: Yes. Yes, very much so.
2: That sounds like a small thing, it's but it's not. It's not. I mean, think about it. When
0: you have like old Christmas lights on a huh? Christmas tree, yep. One bulb goes out, the whole thing goes out, right? right?
1: Circuits. Yay.
0: And imagine that put on an airplane.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
0: one engine falls off, everything shuts down. Right. Like that's not good. No. So
2: <laughs> this was this sounds like a big or sounds like a small fix that you never would have heard of normally before but this actually had a huge impact on electrical design for mm-hmm. aircrafts for generations mm-hmm. so also sounds like kind of a no duh but there's a lot of things in aviation that should have been a no duh that took people dying to <laughs> yeah, unfortunately <laughs> don't even yes. get me started And we have a podcast.
1: And, you know, the funny thing is we talk about this in aviation a lot, and that's why we have a podcast and such. But also, aviation isn't the only industry that this happens to by any means. Dude, boats. Boats. yeah, Trains. Trains. (laughs) Cars. Buildings. Some of the deadliest things that have ever happened in history happened to buildings. And then we find out why, and we're like, that was dumb.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So... That was something that was, like, buried in the analysis. I'm like, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. We just don't talk about it. So I wanted to highlight that a little bit as an engineer. Yep. Next, investigators also analyzed the effect on the accident of not dumping fuel prior to ditching. Yeah. So had they managed to dump about 11,000 pounds of fuel, it would have taken them about five minutes of the nine minutes that they had between um, engine yeeting and impact. Mm Mm-hmm. They, if they had managed to do that, they would have significantly increased their flyability. Right. That's the word that they use. But the captain indicated in his testimony that there was not sufficient time to even consider doing such a thing. To which I'm like, yeah, y'all had nine minutes.
1: Yeah, that feels like an eternity in modern aviation.
2: Like we talk about, oh, this thing happened in 30 seconds, this thing happened in 10 seconds. Nine minutes is a long time.
1: Yeah, that definitely feels like a long time. Again, we weren't in the cockpit.
2: You
0: have to remember, though, they were hand-flying this and trying to keep it stabilized. With five yes. people in the cockpit! Right. Yes, but two people at the controls, right? So, yeah. An unstandardized is, was fuel, was fuel, checklisting. Was fuel dumping at the flight engineer station?
1: Don't know. Probably.
0: Just two foot... Anyway. I just feel like they were probably freaking out about the fact that it kept descending. Yeah. Despite the fact that they were doing everything they could to not have it descend.
1: The unfortunate reality is that, and again, we don't know for sure because we can't um, I know. test any of this, is... It may have allowed the aircraft to make it to land at very least, at the very least, or at least close to land, be able to ditch like right next to the mm-hmm. beach or something, where we then probably could have preserved the aircraft. And more people. And more people, maybe. maybe. Or
0: it could have made more people pass because of Depending the impact with yeah. how close it is
2: to the ground.
1: Right. Well, at that end, swells, you know, there's so many things, there's so many factors. We just don't know. We don't know the reality as we can speculate, but we don't know.
2: But this also became crucial in determining, to date, ditching techniques.
1: Yes, very much so.
2: If you have that kind of time, dump mm-hmm. fuel. Mm-hmm. The last section I have to cover is the ditching itself. Given that this was the first ditching of a civilian Boeing 377,
1: there was- and not the last, I might add.
2: There was no direct knowledge of its ditching characteristics.
1: We found out. The hard way.
2: Uh, We always find out the hard way.
1: Unfortunately. Modern aircraft, they figure out the ditching characteristics before they ever have to ditch. Yes. But...
2: But we we don't have that luxury here. No. It was lucky that the aircraft floated for 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. Which, you know... Considering there was a missing portion of fuselage, that's a long time.
2: I'm surprised that it lasted for 20 minutes. And it definitely sounds like enough time to get 15 passengers and the crew into lifeboats. Yes. Totally. It sounds like you have the time and capability to
1: do so. And yeah, Somehow that, that we lost happen. three people.
2: The rafts drifted away, so survivors had to swim to reach them, and three individuals perished from being unable to do so. Mm-hmm. Which now,
0: like, if you've ever been in an aircraft recently and looked at the information card, the mm-hmm. safety card, usually when there's rafts that come off of the wings, they're attached already right. to the airplane. There's a little knife in the raft that you cut. It right, boosts the from the aircraft. Yep. Rather than yep. I mean, and they and you have normal rafts too, usually depending on the size of aircraft. Yep. But the ones like the slides that become rafts are attached at the door. Yeah. So
2: you You have to rip that out to detach the raft. And then any rafts that are like in storage bins and you have to yeet out of the plane, you connect it to the plane using that rope, which also becomes basically a railing for you to get to it
1: mm-hmm.
2: yep and then there like i said there's a little knife in the in the rafts it depends sometimes it's not read
0: your safety information card it, de- it it it. that's true it does depend on the airline and the airplane
2: and all that stuff and the manufacturer but yes especially if you're flying over water please make sure you read your safety information card so you know where the safety rafts are especially if they're in the ceiling or in an overhead compartment or something like that yep know how many rows ahead or behind you it is. Know how to operate it. Know how to detach it. Because... That's that's big.
1: Be the smart, safe person.
2: Yes, it's nice to think that a flight attendant will always be there to help you, but they might not. That has
1: not been reality in many instances.
2: So, be the person that others can rely on.
1: Right. Know your stuff.
2: That's when I say,
0: like, people would be really lucky to have us on an airplane.
1: I
2: know. (laughs) Because we'd be so ready. Every time they're (laughs) like, are you willing and able to assist in the... I'm like, yes!
1: Most definitely.
2: I'm probably the In best a person yes. to have.
1: And I'm not just saying yes to get the exit row. I'm saying yes because I really do.
2: We're not the best people. There are uh, flight attendants who are trained for this.
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, and actually uh, get, pra- get practice.
2: on the airplane, yes. yes, not
1: crew members. Right. Crew yeah. members, yeah, they're actually trained for that stuff.
2: Or like previously trained crew members. And they actually retired. get to like
1: practice it yes. with the equipment the airline has and stuff. You know.
2: Speaking of retired uh, crew members, next month. We, or sometime. So you'll probably get it in February. <laughs> yeah. Lord knows what's our schedule, but we do have a friend who was a flight attendant and has gone through training twice. The second time, because the first training did not include ditching. Yeah. So we will be interviewing him at some point.
1: Yeah. That we will also happen.
0: have a listener that she's contacted us before. I don't remember your name. You should contact us again, but we could also. Maybe we have the have, email somewhere. Have you call in on that? Yeah. And do both of you.
1: Yes. Wonderful things. Anyways.
0: All right. Great. Is that all you got?
1: That's all I got. All right. Okay. We'll take a break. And then we'll do the regular stuff. Okay, we're back. So, obviously, a lot has changed in aviation and uh, we'll talk really? about we'll we'll talk about what directly changed from this accident at the end of this, but you you have to take everything with a grain of salt that aviation is a very vastly different thing than it was back then, not that we didn't learn things that were very relevant. And the findings, they're super super concise, super short. There are 16 of them. And of those, the first Three, four, are not worth mentioning because they're exactly what you think they are.
2: The structure of the aircraft was not fine.
1: Uh, yeah. Number five, <laughs> the aircraft and all its components function normally until a blade of the number three propeller failed.
2: How do they know it was the blade?
1: Though? They don't, but that's the easiest I mean, assumption. The fact
2: that it's happened six times before. I mean, I know you. It's can a pretty make, like, easy
1: assumption at this point. You
0: can make you can make an estimated guess. Yes, but I wouldn't say. That's what happened because no. you don't know. What
1: they should have said is the aircraft and all its components function normally until the number three engine separated. Yes. <laughs> that would have been the correct statement there.
0: Potentially but, due to a propeller failure. But
1: I guess they're taking number five and tying it with number six, finding number six, because it says they found that the resulting imbalance wrenched free the number three power package.
2: Power <laughs> package. I can't
0: that. I Even scared.
1: power plant would make more sense.
2: I... Do you want to? Uh, the, no, you? I don't.
1: I understand why what they're calling it. my brain goes to. I understand. We're not
2: making a shirt that says power package. <laughs> Especially not with what I have pictured in my head.
1: Nope. Oh, Lord. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> there is no way these investigators. What? How? Seventy years ago, could have known we would have made such a joke <laughs> about something they'd type. I don't understand why they called it a power package, power plant. Totally understand power package, but the, it's because more than just the engine fell off; like its mounting fell off, and the propeller, oh.
1: the propeller, which is technically the other part of the package, is not part of the power plant. It's part of
2: th- it's a package deal. Yeah.
1: I understand why, <laughs> as that's what I've been trying to say, I understand why they call it what they do, but still, the power plant would have been enough for us to understand what they were talking about.
2: But it was more than just the power plant.
1: I I know, but we know what they're talking about.
2: Caitlin, please do not make anything
0: about this.
1: <laughs> oh, God. That
0: was so cute. Sorry, we were off on like a little tangent, but a few weeks ago, from one of our episodes, our friend Caitlin gave us a meme.
1: Ah, yes, that's right. And she has been
2: known to make shirts for us, or, like, logos we can put on shirts. Yeah. Yep. That would be so funny. Nope. Oh, my God. Nope.
0: I'm not saying we'd actually do it. No. But it would be so
1: funny. This one one might be at the line.
0: (laughs) It's definitely on the line. Yep.
2: It's beyond the line, my dude.
1: Anyways. Oh, God. They found that control difficulty resulted in rapid loss of altitude to low altitude. No, really. They found that fuel was not dumped. Yep. Don't you just love CAB report? That is a four-word sentence for a finding. Fuel
2: was not dumped.
1: Fuel was not dumped. That is the whole finding. Like, that was it.
2: It's a valid finding.
1: Yes. I love how concise they are. Today's wording would be a few sentences on the same thing, a few (laughs) lengthy sentences on the same thing. They found that RPM of the remaining three engines was not increased due to lack of specific training of the crew. So they weren't trained on how to handle the engines should one give out, which to me, that is multi-engine training, full stop.
2: But also, there was the issue with, potentially, unconfirmed, but the issue with the toggle switch absolutely makes sense. It's not something they would have known.
1: Agreed. And also, they they were dealing with a very uncontrollable aircraft and severe buffeting which they were just trying to manage to get under control, and they found the best way to do so was to reduce the throttles, reduce the speed, and increase the flaps. I understand why they did what they did. They then felt like they had some amount of controllability to then ditch the aircraft. The unfortunate thing is the aircraft actually probably would have been flyable enough to get to an airfield had everything been okay. I mean, okay enough. Have they understand and had enough understood and had enough training and the toggle switch issue not been a
2: But that's problem. so what if E. Yes. So it is. Monday morning quarterback E. It is,
1: it is, absolutely. They found that this aircraft had not been modified in accordance with service bulletin number two eighty three. However, this information was available to the company. Pan Am knew. But they didn't do anything about that. They found that the aircraft was ditched under control approximately thirty-five miles off the Oregon coast. There's coordinates in here about where they ditched, and I actually want to look them up later so that I know exactly where it is, because I would love to go and like be on the beach and be like, hey, out there somewhere, out there, a, there is literally there an airplane somewhere. still sitting under there somewhere. I found that there were no fatalities as a direct result of the ditching.
2: Which is pretty impressive.
1: Yes. It proved that it was possible.
2: And so when people say, like, the Miracle on the Hudson was the first time a ditching was completely successful. I'm Which? like... Which. It was completely successful because everybody
1: survived. I might once again.
2: Everyone survived this ditching.
1: I might once again add but that no this. No one is drowned on Also, them. unfortunately, not the last ditching of a Boeing 377. There is a spectacular fic- picture of one in Hawaii. Anyways, that also was survivable. Like, it, it proved that it was possible. And unfortunately, they had to put it to test again. <laughs> it just. Shouldn't have been that way. But anyways, they found that the three life rafts were launched without undue delay, but were permitted to drift free, which to me, okay. yes, I understand, like wanting to keep them close until everybody's on the raft. Absolutely.
2: But I also don't want them to run into um, sharp things.
1: Yes, puncture and then potentially sink and then also maybe just sink with the wreckage.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think now,
1: yes, we very much have.
0: They've, we've a we've been doing all these things. Well, I mean, yes. they're made out of higher, thicker quality plastics now mm-hmm. that are harder to
2: puncture. For one. But also, they've been designed better such that they're easier to control. They're not going to drift away. They're
1: already tethered to the airplane, usually.
2: Yeah. So, that technology has vastly increased. Right. I know so. it doesn't sound like it's like that big of a deal. But it is. An advancement. An advancement.
1: But it is, especially when you start talking about the higher volume of people you have to put on. That. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, how many remind us how many people were on this airplane? 15 uh, passengers. 15
1: passengers and eight crew.
0: Right. What about a 300 person aircraft? Right. With oh. 300 people on board. What about an A380? Right, right.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, I mean, not a lot of A380s are flying right now, but
1: uh, you'd be surprised. that's a lie. You'd be surprised. There's about 200 of them flying.
0: I thought a lot of them got pickled. No,
1: nope. they did. And they then, did. then they and then, got unpickled. And then almost every airline's brought them back.
0: Including Air France?
1: No, they got rid of them. They retired them before COVID. They're the only ones that have been scrapped. Those and a couple of Singapores, and then Southern uh, China Southern put a lot of theirs in the desert. But Qantas if. brought theirs back. Thai has tried to bring theirs back, and I think they're going to sell them. Lufty brought theirs back. Lufty brought, brought them back. British brought them back. Emirates definitely brought them back. Qatar and Etihad just brought theirs back. They're they're flying again. There's over two hundred of them flying again. It's wild. Cool. Of course, the vast majority of those are Emirates. They have, like, 150 of that.
0: Yeah. a lot of A380s. Every time we've seen one, it's been an Emirates.
1: Yeah. Well, an Emirates plans to fly them into the 2040s, which that's service life for those airplanes. That's
0: a long time.
1: Yeah, but that's service life for those airplanes, so it makes sense. Like, that's reasonable. They're not very efficient airplanes, though. I don't really know. I, I think they'll change their mind on that in a handful of years, but... But they claim, they're like, oh, we're going to keep flying them into the 2040s. But per seat mile, they're horribly inefficient compared to, like, a 777, which they also operate.
2: <laughs> As of December 2022, there are 237 A380s in service. Right. There you go. Under 16 operators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hmm So. But those hold a ton of people. Yes. And they need, if something happens, they need somewhere to go. Yes. Do they have? That's got to be uncomfortable to get onto a raft from the second deck. Yes. But it's possible.
1: Wholeheartedly, yes. Ow, I yes. can feel the rug burn. Yes.
2: Wear long pants.
0: Yes. We've talked about that before. You should be wearing. We need to do that episode about. <laughs> we talked about, about flyer etiquette. Yeah, we talked about it, and then we kind of just didn't do anything. We got to do that episode. Yeah, we do. You should be wearing we long pants. We could
2: make it part of that episode with Chaz. We could. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Now I got two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Wonderful.
0: It's just one of those things where it's like, you don't want to get rug burned. Wear pants.
1: Yep. They found that the aircraft floated for an estimated 20 minutes. Wonderful.
2: Which is surprising, given that the tail oh,
1: was gone. Gosh, really, yes, it was. <laughs> they found that four persons succumbed as a result of shock, exposure, and or drowning. And finally, they found that search and rescue facilities were notified promptly and responded quickly and effectively. I would argue that actually two hours to rescue them was relatively reasonable for the time. Yeah. 35 miles out to sea, which could be like anywhere, 35 miles out to sea. They had a pretty rough idea of where they were. They had been reporting in their location. So thankfully that made it pretty easy to find them. However, I would argue that this day and age, two hours might be a little long. Yeah. Being only 35 miles out to sea. If they were out in the middle of nowhere, yes, absolutely. But
2: the Coast Guard get aircraft.
1: I don't know. They were aided by some kind of aircraft in finding it. Might have just been something that was flying nearby.
2: Sorry, I want to see if this could have been a factor. In survival? Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I don't know about that.
2: They got their first helicopter in 1940.
1: But yeah, that's before this.
2: Fun fact, you know who founded the Coast Guard? Yeah. Alexander Hamilton? Yeah. I knew that already.
1: Yes. Me too. It's
2: legit in one of the Yes, so long so. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Approximately two hours after the aircraft ditched the United States Navy attack transport USS Bayfield.
1: Right, which I had said, yeah, that was the Bayfield.
2: But it was a U.S. Navy attack transport. Right, Yeah.
1: but they were aided in finding the wreckage by an aircraft, and that's all we know about it. That's all that was said in the report.
2: Maybe that page has something more about it. This vessel was involved in the invasion of Normandy. Ah. Wow. Interesting. And southern France. And Iwo Jima and Okinawa. Wow,
1: that thing went all over. Not that that's not what we didn't do during the war. I mean, we sent things everywhere during the war.
0: Dude, we made things so fast, and then we sent
2: them everywhere. Oh my god, yes. It doesn't say anything more about the...
1: Okay, that's fine. That's it for the findings.
2: The probable cause. Yes, that. The board determines that the probable cause of this accident was loss of control and inability to maintain altitude after failure of the number three propeller which resulted in wrenching free the number
1: three power package. That sums that up, I mean, (laughs) relatively well. I don't love that, actually. I think it's okay, but I think there's a lot of... I I know that because they didn't have the aircraft, there was a lot of unknowns, which allows this to be pretty open-ended, if you ask me, and that probable cause is pretty open-ended, but...
2: I also feel that today's NTSB would have been a lot more... Well, this is a contributing factor, and this was the actual cause. Because really, the probable cause should have been the blade failure. Right. Leading to the... The potential blade failure. Yes. Right. Which led to... the, The yeeting of the number three power package. Which ended up making them ditch. And contributing factors to the... Severity of the accident.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Being the loss of control, the inability to maintain altitude. And then I would also go so far as to say the like aspects of the evacuation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, there's no recommendations on this one, but they actually have corrective actions. They have what was done after the accident and after all of the findings, basically, which is interesting. So, there's six of them, and I'm going to read them verbatim. Number one. Corrective action. Life rafts were stored more securely. Absolutely no details on that, but apparently they were.
2: They are. Yes. yes.
1: These days, of course, again, everything with a grain of salt. Aviation has changed completely. It's so, been
2: 70 years.
1: Right. There have been a lot more accidents, especially in the jet age, that required a lot more oversight and thought put into the engineering of these things. So all of this to say, all these corrective actions, they're still most—they're most, they're not relevant, <laughs> but they were at the time. Absolutely, they were at the time. They definitely changed things. Number two, additional inspections of the propeller blades were required and the periods between previously required inspections were, in some instances, shortened. So they changed the inspection processes and requirements. So that makes a lot of sense. Three, the schedule of installation of propeller blade imbalance detectors, which had previously been developed to warn the crew of an impending blade failure, was expedited and their use made mandatory by the CAA as of July 30th, 1955. So, shortly after this accident, it was required that imbalance sensors... Be installed. Be installed. Which is a wonderful thing. It actually makes a lot of sense. Four. The manufacturer resumed development of a solid aluminum propeller blade for use on the Boeing 377 aircraft. The CAB recommended to the CAA that all Hamilton Standard 2J17 hollow steel blades be removed from service on the Boeing 377 aircraft. At the earliest possible date, consistent with the manufacturer's ability to supply satisfactory blades. So
2: Yeah, steel corrodes.
1: Yes. Aluminum does not. It can. It can oxidize for sure. Absolutely. But it's a lot less likely to, and it's a lot easier to catch if it does.
2: Mm-hmm. So. We also have way better detection techniques for that nowadays. Oh yeah. Of Refer course. to episode one?
1: Yeah. Correct. So, yes, that is a thing. So replacing all of the blades is a wonderful idea that did happen.
2: Also, they've got to be lighter once they're made of aluminum.
1: Oh, yeah, big time. Big time. Five. Longest one of these to read. The administrator, by letter dated June 28, 1955, advised operators that the Boeing 377 aircraft as follows. Quote, As a result of this investigation and of the investigations conducted following six other accidents, or serious incidents, we have concluded that, in the interest of safety the Hamilton standard model two four two six zero propellers having two j seventeen series hollow steel blades presently used on Boeing three seven seven aircraft should be removed from service and replaced with propellers having solid metal blades This shall be done at the earliest possible date consistent with the ability of the propeller manufacturer to supply satisfactory blades end quote so that is literally just a backup by the c a a of the previous corrective action
2: another thing that changed related to that mm-hmm. is. We don't phrase things like as soon as possible.
1: No, we create bulletins with a deadline.
2: Because that didn't have a deadline. Right. And I bet you they procrastinated that.
1: Yes, probably. It's one of those things, much like they mentioned the service bulletin that Pan Am was like, yeah, we know. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Great. And?
1: Yeah, they didn't do anything about it.
2: Also, if your friend with ADHD has a hard time complying with as soon as possible, put a deadline.
1: That's correct. Six. The last one special inspections as determined to be required were made mandatory by the administrator first by telegraphic alerts and subsequently by airworthiness directives dated april 11th 1955 june 6th 1955 and october 10th 1955 so things were eventually required by airworthiness directive i love that it's by telegraphic means things that have since changed in aviation and the world Feel like honestly, it would almost be faster to have just sent this message with the pilots to headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> Not that the telegraphs weren't fast, they were, but that feels long-winded. And of course, all this saying the administrator and the CAA has been since replaced by the FAA and the FAA commissioner. Uh-huh. So.
2: Administrator.
1: Yes, administrator.
2: Because it's an administration.
1: Yes, correct. The administrator. So.
2: That's it.
1: That is it.
2: That was Pan Am flight 845 slash 26. Yep. All right. Well, let's go through some trivia.
0: Okay. You're going to have to look some of this up because I don't know the answers to this.
2: Okay. And
0: no one's answered yet because I haven't sent it out yet. So, sorry. First one is, what is the world's oldest airline? I know a lot of them claim. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. This is...
0: Qantas is one of those who claims. Avianca also claims. Also KLM. They
2: all claim. There's ultimately- even British
1: Airways tries to throw themselves in there, and anybody who knows British Airways knows that that is just entirely not true.
2: Let's see what Google says. Oldest airline still in operation, KLM.
1: hmm By its own name, I would argue that KLM yes, is. Yes, KLM the is oldest. the oldest
2: airline in the world still operating under its original name. Correct. Because Qantas was not always operated as Qantas. No, and Avianca. Avianca.
1: Was. Well, Avianca was operated. Basically, under Avianca, but the name was something longer than that.
2: Let me look it up while
0: you do that. Next one is an opinion. Okay. So it's which airline has or has had the prettiest livery or livery, depending on who you are. Yes. Kevin.
1: <laughs> See, I have arguments for both. I have opinions about the word. <laughs> I have opinions about the word. And I feel. I really like Riyadh's. And Thai. Yes, those are nice. Both I things.
2: like the bold blue, purple colors. Yes. I like China um, Airlines, like their mm-hmm. uh, the flower. flower one. Mm-hmm.
1: Don't be surprised if that one goes away here in the next couple of years. No! They're, supposed to, they're supposed to change name, and therefore they will change.
2: Avianca name. was S-C-A-D-T-A. Right. Scadta, Yeah. Until
1: 1940. Yeah. So, yes, KLM was...
2: Technically... The Technically. under
1: its own name. Yes.
2: Avianca started in nineteen nineteen. Isn't that crazy? When did KLM start?
1: And United is getting close. And actually your canada is too, although we are we by way of other. They were both Canadian
2: in nineteen nineteen.
1: Yeah. Which is why they're so close to claiming each other's the oldest.
2: Well it's Quantas. 1920. Mm-hmm. British
0: Airways. British Airways wasn't By British Airways until like the 70s. Right.
1: But we have BOAC and.
2: Uh, They started as Aircraft Transport and Travel Limited in 1919.
1: Wonderful. But see, that's one of many airlines that conglomerated yeah, they to become all British.
2: Got nom, 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 nom into when, British
1: Airways. When it was United? I'm curious. I think it was 23, 24. No, must have been later than that.
2: 1926.
1: 26. Because I was going to say, we're getting close to the 100 year.
2: Which started as Varney Airlines in Boise, Idaho.
1: That's right. And then, word, back to the word livery, livery. I use both, but here's the thing to me, and I know that there are the vast majority of people that use the word livery and believe it should be livery, but to me-
0: livery. Livery falls off the tongue better than livery. Because
1: also, livery is an adjective for a food. (laughs) Or a smell. Something can be livery, but should not be a livery.
2: I found an airline that only ceased operations this century, um, but was founded in 1917. And we've talked about it before. Chalk's Ocean Airways. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Chalk, yeah.
2: Started in 1917. Yeah, that's wild. Starting scheduled service between Florida and the Bahamas. Damn. Yep.
1: Yep, that's crazy. And then livery to me is livening things up, which is what you do. When you paint something. Yes. So anyways, to me, the ones, I don't know, I don't know which ones I think look the best. There's so many good ones out there. I like there's so it. many special liveries, liveries, yeah. that I think look really nice, that are really cool, like all the Star Wars ones yeah. throughout the time. Those are I, all really cool. I Disney love
0: Disney ones.
2: Hawaiian. I love yeah. Hawaiian. Hawaiian's cool.
1: Hawaiian's really cool as an actual base.
2: So yes. we are recording this on December 3rd, which is the day that it was announced that Alaska is nom-nomming Hawaiian.
1: Which is so wild. Weird. They're going to keep both brandings, though. So they're going to be yes, a group. So they're
2: keeping the Hawaiian Library on Hawaiian airplanes. I have
1: a feeling it's going to be called the Hawaiian Alaskan Group, which is so wild to me. I mean, it's like British Airways and the IAG Group, which owns like freaking eight airlines or something like that. But when
2: we first got the news, it didn't say that they were going to keep the Hawaiian Library. I'm like, no!
1: No, everything was just saying like Alaska just bought Hawaiian. Yeah, OK, great. It's better. It's for the best that they don't rebrand it, though. They really shouldn't.
2: It's so pretty. Also, it's a lot of money to rebrand.
1: Oh, yeah. It is, you have to takes paint. a of time, yeah. too. And both airlines just went through a quote-unquote rebranding.
2: Speaking of Avianca, were you there for the conversation about Avianca's rebranding over the years?
1: Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Yeah. They just went through a new Stupid. one, and it's hilarious. They made the capital A now a lowercase a.
2: That was their rebranding. That was the whole <laughs> thing.
1: There's a very slight change to the font, too. Very slight. You almost can't tell. Um, Okay, next question. All right, next one.
0: Yeah. How long have we been in band? Now, this is a two-part question, because Christy and Nick have been in band longer than I have been in band. Yes.
2: So, Um, we started middle school band the fall of 2007. Yep. Wow.
0: Wow. And I wasn't in (laughs) band until the fall of
1: 2011.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Damn. So, I can't do math right now, but
2: you guys do the math and figure it out. We've known each other since August of 2007. Yep. Cute.
1: We have been collectively in band together since...
0: 2011. Yeah. The three of us.
1: Yes. 2011.
0: You two and Brendan longer than that, because you guys were in the same... Grade. Grade. Yeah. And I wasn't in band until I was in high school. Right. Okay. What is Miranda's favorite movie series? Now, listen.
1: This is this is a little bit subjective. <laughs>
0: Because there's really two answers yes. to this.
2: I would argue that one of those answers is technically a universe, not a series on its own.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, I, guess kind of good... I guess we
2: can... There are series those. within that universe. But I am I incorrect in saying that you favor Jurassic Park more than Guardians of the Galaxy? I mean,
0: I feel like Jurassic Park is just one of my favorites, period. Um, like movies and series, although the third mm-hmm. one was horrible.
1: <laughs> uh, Fair enough.
0: I really do like the Marvel movies, though. Like, I I go and yeah, yeah. see them when they come out in yep. theaters. Like, I've seen the Marvels already.
1: I heard that the most recent was not good. Though. Actually, it was good. Was it, was it? pretty okay. good? I heard a lot. I of... wasn't
0: disappointed.
1: I heard that there was like, there's just not a lot of hype anymore, and people aren't. They're going to they're see having it. a
0: hard time like ramping up the storylines. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, after Endgame, yeah, like, you, and after, like, the Spider-Man movie that came out after that. Yeah. That was, like, peak, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's been kind of falling ever since. But it's starting to get more, because now they're doing more stuff around the series, mm-hmm. TV series.
1: I still wish like, they would have done more with the Defenders. I really like the doing, Defenders. They're
0: going to do a Defenders
1: thing. I know. Again. I'm just afraid that it. Being, it won't be the same it it's won't be not the same cuz it's on same. disney now and it was so good with netflix but they're netflix keeping originated. charlie
0: cox as
2: that's not devil. who i wanted them to keep
0: i don't know who else i don't know what other series they're keeping for they're that.
2: gonna they have to lose luke cage why cuz he's doing evil well know. they.
0: i mean their projects might not coincide so cuz people do multiple projects I don't, Who knows? The answer is, I don't know. And I don't know if they're going to completely break apart from that. I know Charlie Cox is staying because he was in She-Hulk.
2: Yeah, well, and it's already... That one's been announced.
0: Yeah. So, but there, there's, like, some more stuff. It's kind of amping up a little bit again, you know? But, but it's it's yeah. not going to be ever as good as Oh, before. the original
1: ones were so good, though. The first season of uh, all of them was yeah. so good. Yeah. And that was because... They made it so much more, like, we'll call it relatable. Yeah. Because they were more relatable characters based in, like, true reality. There were darker characters. It's a much darker series. Because you're talking about, like, regular people living in New York that have these abilities. Yeah. Living their regular lives. Not necessarily loving the abilities that they have. Are you talking about the Defenders? Yes, the original Defenders. Oh, okay. The original series yeah all the first season first season of all of them and i don't know
0: if you can even get to so i know you can watch daredevil on disney plus mm-hmm. i don't know if you can watch jessica jones luke cage or iron fist i think you can
1: i think i saw luke cage on there where can
0: and i'm pretty i i mean i don't know if they all
2: just switched over i know
1: that you they were supposed can't to.
0: watch them on netflix anymore no so
2: jessica jones is on disney plus
1: i think they all are yep i think they moved them all
2: but it also says it's on Netflix, question mark? I don't know. Um, That might be old. Kristen Ritter, who plays Jessica Jones, says there is a possibility. She has Hmm. addressed the possibility. There is Hmm. a possibility of being reunited, of her playing Jessica Jones again.
1: Hmm. I know that one of the seasons of Jessica Jones was not very good.
2: (laughs) I didn't even watch it.
1: I didn't Uh, finish it, the second season.
0: The second season wasn't that good. The third season was really good.
1: Yeah, I know. I never got there, and Um, I should.
0: I couldn't get through the second season of Daredevil. I watched the third
2: season.
1: I watched the second season of Daredevil, I feel like.
2: But I couldn't get through the third season. Mike Coulter has said he doesn't want to come back as Luke Cage.
1: The Punisher, I mean, that's a really hard one. Or he's one.
2: hesitant to. I loved their Punisher, though. I know. that was, It was so it was The best
1: good. rendition of the Punisher. And I think, I think the thing is, is the, it's so hard for the Punisher to be on Disney because it's so much more violent mm-hmm. than the rest of the Marvel Universe. It is so but much they more violent. Ki-
2: I
0: mean, they kind of separate it, though, because... A little bit. Star Wars is like that too. Yes. You know, where it's way more violent than, and they even a lot of the Defenders. They
2: confirmed he's coming back as the Punisher. Yeah. So huh. he,
0: like, they the way that they've done it on Disney+, Plus, I have actually mm-hmm. applaud them for because they've broken it up into the different things.
1: Yeah. Well, and they finally created, like, an adult section. Yes, and they adult, did. Uh, it, like, like, you have to,
0: there's an age restriction. Like, you have to pass the age restriction in order to right. be able to watch it. But I
1: remember it
2: was a big deal with, like. They are not bringing back Iron Fist. Iron Fist was horrible.
0: Yeah. I didn't uh, even watch
2: the full season of Iron
1: First season I, of Iron I did. It was fine. It was unfortunately not very good.
2: Or at least they're not bringing back that actor to play him.
1: Mm-hmm. It, the, the character and the backstory had to exist for the Defenders yes. series, for the Defenders season, the first season, but it was not great.
0: No, it wasn't.
2: Was that all the trivia questions? Yes, it was. It okay.
1: was. That so, allowed us to tangent too much. Sorry. Yeah,
0: sorry. That was a huge change that that should have been for the post-episode. Yeah.
1: Sorry. So if you ever
0: wonder what our post-episodes were like, that's pretty similar. Uh, yep. Just so everybody is aware, December Stories theme, I came up with this because of the drama we had on the last listener episode. I put family drama stories. <laughs> ah, yes. I felt like this time of year always gets a little bit ramped up oh, with boy. family drama, you know? Oh, God. Uh, So, like, if you feel like you
1: want to spill some tea. Spill it. If you want to be anonymous about it, you can be anonymous about it.
0: There's a lot of people. There's a, a person specifically who has put in, like, five, six, seven stories mm-hmm. that their name is Lego Addict.
1: Right. And these are so, anonymous they're whatever name you give us that's what yeah, we're gonna put in there so
0: we we just need a name so that we know who's messaging us but
2: what are the odds that lego addict is who i think
1: it is i don't know maybe whatever the means it doesn't matter so
2: we have a friend from high school who has an entire tiktok about legos
1: oh all right so
0: let's let's finish this up so we can we can get post so we get out of here yes um Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check out all the stuff if you did not receive the newsletter or if you would like to see what is included in the newsletter. Yep. First of all, you can sign up to get them in your email around the beginning of the month. Sorry. Uh, It's fine. Usually I'm pretty good at sending them out on the first, but if I get distracted, sometimes it's later than that. There's a newsletter sign up sheet on the homepage of the website. But if you would like to look at previous newsletters to see what they include, you can do that uh, via the newsletters tab on the website. Right. And then you can see all the trivia questions and stuff if you would like to answer them. And then also, if you would like to send us a story, there's like multiple links to get to it, but there's also a listener story tab on our website that will take you to a form where you can put it in. Also, we haven't got one of these in a while, so I want to plug it. Like if you have a question... You want to ask us? Oh yeah, Yeah. listener questions. Like you want us to read it on air and answer it. Yep. Especially if you're confused about something in an episode. But even if you're just like curious about us in any way, you can do that. There's a listener questions tab on the website to do that as well. Yep. And then as always, check out the Patreon. Yep. Uh, And check out the merch page. Also, yep. And uh, we hope you have a safe and healthy week. We'll catch you all next week. Keep Keep your speed speed up. up.